Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. That's $200 that you can use for all the upcoming basketball action, including the men's basketball tournament. If you bet at least $500 during the first and second round of the tournament, you can get a trip to the five-star rated Win Las Vegas. Offer subject to change, terms, and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the That's So Mets podcast. This is episode number 28, and we're going to take a little break this week from a lot of the rumors around the team. Nothing new out there as the baseball offseason kind of hit the pause button with the remaining free agents, and there are plenty of them. But we want to talk about this actual roster, the Mets team going into this season. So Joe and I have put together our projected lineups with the twist that mine will have the DH and Joe's won't have the DH. So that'll be the bulk of our show today, and we'd love to hear your guys' lineups as well. You could tweet them at us, leave them in an Apple iTunes review, uh, however you want to get that info over to us. And we'll take your questions throughout the show today, address a lot of the topics going on around baseball, around the Mets. Obviously, a, a very uh, awful and disappointing situation around Mickey Calloway as well will be dre- addressed in that part of the show. But we'll kick things off. The Mets did make a trade Uh, For their, I guess for their rotation, really the back end of this rotation, 6th, 7th, 8th starting pitching kind of spot, acquiring Jordan Yamamoto from the Marlins, which Mets fans know him pretty well. He's made enough appearances against the Mets over the last two years, had a really, really rough 2020, was solid in 2019, a very young arm. He does have an option remaining as well. So the Mets continuing to add to not guys that are going to pitch every single week, but guys that will be in their system in case of injury, maybe even long relief, spot-starting kind of guy. So, Joe, let's bring you in. How are we doing? What was your reaction to this move as the Mets made a, another acquisition for a starter? I loved it. I mean, obviously, Yamamoto was very poor in his four appearances uh, in the short in 2020, but he was supposedly dealing with a bit of a forearm strain and just you know a weird year where some people struggled. I don't think that he's a guy you could, I guess, count on to be a, you know, low to mid fours ERA guy going forward. But a 24-year-old guy, like you said, with an option remaining, which is honestly the most important part of this deal, is the Mets have routinely not taken care of their AAA depth. And you've seen a bunch of Corey Oswald and Drew Gagneau and, you know, bad, bad pitchers like that. And... They're doing a better job now of preparing themselves for, you know, injuries naturally occur, even if they're minor ones. I mean, uh, Jacob deGrom could crack a fingernail and go on the 10-day DL, and then you need to fill a couple starts. So you need people that you can call from AAA that aren't just going to come up, and you need to score eight runs to win. So Double headers. Yeah. Oh, double headers too. And especially, like, if this schedule somehow gets wonky in some way this year and they kind of force double headers. There's, there's ways that you're going to need starters, and Yamamoto is a guy that 24 years old, really good spin rate on his stuff, his fastball and his breaking ball. So there, there is seemingly still some kind of untapped potential there, but yeah, to get him for you know a, a super low-level prospect, shortstop Federico Polanco, which, fun fact, he is the cousin of Ronnie Mauricio, so they, uh, they traded Ronnie's family away. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm I, tough biz. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good with it. Yamamoto, you know, I would imagine it's likely that he's in Syracuse to start the year, uh, barring something crazy happening. And if the Mets add another starting pitcher, whether that's a Trevor Bauer or you know a, a guy in trade like uh, Sonny Gray, or do they go back into Jake Odorizzi at the last minute or, you know, one of the other guys, James Paxton, Taiwan Walker. There's still quite a few names out there. If they go ahead and sign another, like, like solid big league starter, then Joey Lucchese could go to AAA too because he has two options left. And then your AAA depth can look like 
Lucchese, Yamamoto, Franklin Kilome, Sean Reed Foley, who they got from Toronto in the Steven Matz trade, uh, Yenzi Diaz also from that trade. So uh, they signed Jared Eikhoff to a minor league deal. So then you're looking at guys that have, for the most part, actually really been in the big leagues. And in the case of Lucchese and uh, Yamamoto, they've had recent, at least decent back end success. So you're making yourself deeper. And, you know, hopefully you're at the point where Yamamoto is like your seventh or eighth starter. And if that's the case, you're you're sitting pretty good barring catastrophe. Yeah, I really like this move, you know, for the reason being that I think there is still a ceiling here for Yamamoto, right? It's not like they acquired, and I think the same for Lucchese to an extent, but you're not taking on a 30-year-old arm or anything like that. You're taking on a guy that, quite frankly, when you look at the numbers uh, in high A ball and double A ball, the light really went on for him at 22 years old, you know, at 21, 22 years old. The strikeout rate, uh, started to really, really go up. The ERA really went down. And, of course, has it have been a perfect career with the Marlins? No, obviously he wouldn't have been traded for that lack of return if that wasn't the case. But when he had made 15 starts in 2019 at just 23 years old on a pretty bad baseball team, pitching to a 4-4-6 ERA and, and almost, you know, nine and a half strikeouts over nine – that's promising to me. I'm not saying that's great, but if that's your seventh or eighth guy that's going to make spot starts or come in because of not one, maybe not even two, but three injuries, I like that move a lot, especially if they can work with him and maybe see something that hasn't been developed yet. So a good move by the Mets because it really didn't cost them anything. I think the one thing I really wanted to ask you, Joe, that I surprisingly have not asked you off the air is, why would the Marlins do this? So they designated Yamamoto for assignment. And essentially, you have 10 days after you DFA someone to either release them or trade them somewhere. And more often than not, these guys get released. But the Mets seemingly wanted him. And I, I don't know why they DFA'd him. I haven't seen something from Miami. Uh, I don't know. Is that for, forearm strain more serious than we're aware of I guess that's something we'll have to follow but yeah it's very odd to bail on a 24 year old arm that has had you know granted not a huge sample size but some level of success at the major league level at such a young age certainly and I think change of scenery is something that we see so often in baseball which you know some people might be sitting here wondering well why would you trade Steven Matz and bring in Yamamoto I think change of scenery could be best for both of those guys and I think with Mets some of it probably is that money in play right yeah it's pretty clear that the Mets wanted that you know five million probably off the books in its entirety in, in a sense where they probably have a move or two left in them uh, I know we said we're not going to talk about it much today but obviously Bauer is still out there Jackie Bradley Jr. is still out there uh, there are even you know much lower cost kind of free agents still out there that the Mets might make a play for and one thing that we can't discount is I think the Mets are going to be a team like many uh, aspiring contenders that will leave a pretty big amount of wiggle room for the trade deadline this year if the Mets are in third second first place and, and there's a hole on their roster and a player available that they can acquire uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't be active at the trade deadline this year and that money can make the difference and I mean, maybe they just go over, then blow past the luxury tax. That's something we haven't seen either. So I think that's the difference between uh, these two pitchers, you know, Matt's being gone, Yamamoto being on the roster. So it feels like the Mets have made about one of these moves each week at this point. And, and really with the Matt's thing, uh, the money I think was a huge driver, 100% agree, because I think there's more moves to be made, whether that's something really big time or a bunch of, you know, mid-level moves to just improve overall, uh, you know, that kind of rem is remained to be seen. But I think not only was the money a factor, but I think they are looking at their upper level depth for pitching. You know, there was nothing there. Sean Reed Foley has pitched in the big leagues and he actually was good out of the bullpen for Toronto in a few appearances in the short in 2020. And he throws hard too. So 
you know, a guy like him, a guy like Yenzi Diaz, those both those guys are going to be able to be in AAA. They could be in the rotation in AAA, or you could put one in the bullpen, and you'll have the flexibility to utilize them if you want. And yeah, I think I think they're making some progress on the on the upper level arms. So I think that was a factor too, where they said, look, we'll deal with not having Mats as the fifth starter, but we'll add to our AAA depth. And we already have Lucchese in house, and we certainly can pursue. You know, the names that I mentioned before, guys through trade, Trevor Bauer, Taiwan Walker, James Paxton. You know, there's a number of guys still out there that they could say, we'll go get a solid starter and just, you know, flip Matt's money to somebody else and add some more depth in the process. Here's a crazy one for you, because now we're getting into the possibility, although it's insane, because you can really never have too much starting pitching in baseball. But now we're getting to the point where we're sitting here and you look at it and the Mets have a lot of guys that can throw innings for them this year, right this year right now. But the Mets are absolutely I don't want to say the front runner, but somebody that is significantly or consistently connected to Trevor Bauer. We've even heard them connected again to Jake Odorizzi this week after it seemed like they had been very distant from interest there for a while. Now it still seems like they're on the outside looking in. But, you know, it's once again, we've heard them connected there. Joe, if you do think, looking ahead, if you think they surprise everyone in Land Bauer or make a play again for Odorizzi, who there would be expectations there if he signed. The money will come in a lot higher than people expect. Does that tell you that a guy like maybe Peterson or, I don't want to say Cindergard because that seems unrealistic, but it that one of the starters might actually be moved for a piece at third base, a piece at center field? like, Or do you think they're just, hey, we're going to stack. This is a, a Mets philosophy right now. We're just stacking arms. I think the philosophy would be that they would stack arms, but I'm of the belief that everybody's available if the deal makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know they'd all of a sudden sign Bauer and then go, all right, well, that means David Peterson's on the block. No, I mean, you just throw David Pearson as your five on opening day. And Great. <laughs> then when Noah Syndergaard comes back, David Peterson might end up in Syracuse if, you know, everything else is still breaking right for the Mets. So I, I don't think it would necessarily lead to a trade, but it opens up the possibility where now maybe you could, you can listen a little harder if someone does reach out and ask. There's just a weird part of me that, that thinks there's something left of this Mets offseason that we didn't see coming. It's just been way too quiet for too long. It's been pretty quiet all around baseball besides the Nolan Arenado trade, which I think we should we should talk about on here a little bit. Not It's not definitely Mets-centric, but this was somebody that you know had been connected to the Mets. Obviously, a bit of a, I guess, surprise the way the trade went down. The Cardinals acquiring him, and not only that, but getting back $50 million on top of that trade. Does that does Arenado on the move kind of maybe shut the door on the third base options out there that are high profile? Do you see a guy like Suarez from the Reds maybe still being around? I think when you look at it, because I, I wanted to bring this up before we did the lineups, because it was a question that I really ran into while doing this exercise, building the rundown for the show today to build the lineup. You know, it felt like earlier in the offseason, Sandy was just kind of whatever about J.D. Davis being the Mets' third baseman. And as we get closer and closer to pitchers and catchers, I just don't really see this this upgrade coming at third base that you're going to pencil in over J.D. every day. It, it probably would have to come from the trade market. There's no question about that. So if there is a third base upgrade, you know, it's a Chris Bryant from the Cubs. It's a Eugenio Suarez from the Reds. But, you know, those teams aren't under immense pressure to deal those guys now. But you also wonder if, you know, in the case of a Suarez, might the Mets be willing to buck that trend of trading a top, call it six, prospect in the system in a deal to get someone with that level of control at that price point, at that skill set? You wonder if they may deviate a little bit uh, because it's clear as day that Sandy doesn't really want JD to be the third baseman, but there's way, way worse things that could happen than, you know, JD Davis being the Mets third baseman. So 
I think it's it's possible still that third base is addressed, but it's looking more and more like that that may have just fell down the totem pole a little bit. And I don't even know how much that has to do with Arenado because the Mets weren't really in on that. We could argue they should have been. I mean, the Cardinals didn't really give up all that much. And it, if, if what John Morosi said is true... The Cardinals aren't paying Nolan Arenado this year. The Rock, the Rockies are paying every all thirty-five billion this year. Fifteen million of is deferred, so I think they're giving twenty million this year and then deferring fifteen. So I'm, if I read that right, I think the Cardinals have a free Nolan Arenado for twenty twenty-one. God, and, and the press conference with the owner just felt so Wilpon-esque. Oh, brutal! Today. Just tough to tough to listen to. Now, when you're on the outside looking in, when you're sitting at the, uh, you know, the top shelf bar, just looking over and you're like, man, hate to be that guy. But let's get into the lineups today. Um, Like I said, mine's going to have the DH as Joe becomes understandably more pessimistic about the DH in the NL this year. He did his without. So we'll give you two different looks. I'll kick things off here and kind of run through this real quick. I'm going to have if there's a DH. I'm going to have Jeff McNeil lead off. And I think the conversation here is really him or Nimmo. I think that I like Lindor's bat not at the top. I think I like his pop. Well, I'm going to have him second. I'm just going to get right to it. I have it McNeil leading off, Lindor batting second, Dom batting third, and playing first. I want Dom's glove out there every day. Conforto playing right, batting cleanup. Pete DHing, batting fifth. I think you're going to see, you know, the lineup split up as good as can be, as best as I can do. Lefty righties here. JD batting sixth, playing third. That's a bit of a wild card. We'll see how that shakes out. But right now, I think that's safe to say. The one caveat that I should have mentioned off the top here is we were allowed, if we wanted to, to make one more big Mets move, or at least realistic move, is like how we wanted to frame it. We're not going to sit here and put in. I don't know. Mike Trout in Labor's center? Why don't you do Mike it? Trout. Yeah, <laughs> it's just something stupid. Yeah, exactly. So, JD playing third, batting sixth. Nimmo batting seventh and playing left. I really like Nimmo down the lineup in this scenario with his ability to get on base, um, you know, for when the top of the lineup comes back on. McCann batting eighth, obviously catching. And then my, my one more move was Jackie Bradley Jr. playing center. With the DH, this was the most seamless way for me to form a lineup where he's a streaky guy. He was good offensively last year. I don't think that's the guy you're going to get every year going forward. So Jackie Bradley Jr. uh, batting last in this scenario, batting ninth. And this is with the DH. So I I think that'd be a tough pill to swallow for Pete DHing a lot, but I'm just not going to sacrifice the defense in that scenario. I think what you get out of Dom at first, I mean, that's a good, that's a pretty good infield with McNeil at second, Lindor at short, Dom at first. You'll ride the highs and lows of JD at third. Not great, but you'll, it is what it is. Joe, what are your thoughts on that lineup, specifically at the top where there's definitely going to be some debate? I'm actually a little surprised that you went Dom third and then Pete fifth. Uh, find that pretty interesting. Takes better at bats. He does take better at bats. That's fair. Um, so that's my yeah. my big argument. The top heat that strikes out a lot, and I think those two guys are going to get on base at one and two a lot. That's fair. So I I, I have the same top two. We'll get to my lineup in a minute. Uh, I have McNeil and Lindor at the top as well. Uh, we change up kind of a little bit after that. One change that I would like to see in your lineup. So not even even at the top. Your point about Brandon Nimmo, I think, is actually very sound. What I might do in your lineup is flip Nimmo and Jackie Bradley mm. and bat Nimmo ninth and make him kind of the pseudo second leadoff hitter because yep. getting on at the seven spot doesn't do a ton for yeah, the top of the point. order if McCann and Jackie Bradley strike out or whatever. Um, so the, I think that's the one real change I'd make. Otherwise... It, it like this kind of demonstrates that the righty lefty thing with the Mets is, you know, they're they're still left-handed dominant. I mean, ideally you'd you know have you know McNeil Lindor at the top, and then 
a righty and then Conforto and then a righty. Like that's where you'd ideally be. And my lineup will have that because of the move I chose to make. But no, I don't. I don't think your lineup's bad at all. I I might flip Nimmo and Jackie Bradley. Otherwise, I I can roll I with like that. I like that suggestion. Yeah, yeah. It goes to the point I said. You you get Nimmo on base and but just just further down because then you're going Nimmo to McNeil and Lindor rather than Nimmo to McCann and Jackie Bradley Jr. So yeah, it's and there's a lot of debate there. I think they'll flip it around a lot. Yeah, in three to five spots. Yeah, I really do. You know? And Pete will play first sometimes, and Dom will DH Absolutely. sometimes. I mean, like, we're making these lineups, and it's not like this is going to be the lineup 155 games. It's going to be the lineup This is my sometimes. opening day yeah, lineup. this is day one. Everyone's healthy. We got one one more piece, and th- this is how we're doing it, 100%. Um, so I'll take on my lineup, and I did without a DH. Uh, certainly the MLBPA rejecting MLB's proposal, and both sides – coming out and basically saying, all right, we're just going forward 162 games and starting spring on time and seemingly leaving little room for counter offers or, or changes. You know, there's still, there is so, still some thought out there that the DH still could come to the NL this year. So it's not over with, but I am beginning to feel a little pessimistic about it. So I'll go with my lineup without one, just for the sake of doing something a little different and at the top I have the same as Connor uh, batting leadoff the second baseman Jeff McNeil batting second the shortstop Francisco Lindor I had batting third the first baseman Pete Alonzo because obviously it's we're going to be defensively challenged without a DH we all know that so you're not going to like the defensive alignment as as I continue down here Uh, clean up the right fielder Michael Conforto Batting fifth was my acquisition, and that's trading for Eugenio Suarez from the Reds. Throwing him in the five spot with that 30 to 40 home run power so he could do major damage there in the five spot and drive in all the studs above him. And defensively, he's better than JD. He's not awesome. He's probably about average uh, based on OAA. So I think he could be an impact acquisition. And if you could get a Sonny Gray along with him, awesome. But I'm down to trade for just Suarez. And I don't, I don't need to package them together. I'd trade for just him. And then the sixth spot, I have your number three hitter, Dom Smith in left field. Because as we've discussed, he's not an outfielder. But if we don't have a DH, you got to get his bat in the lineup. There, there's really not, not much else you can do. And he's going to have to play left, and you have to hope that he could be decent. And then at some point in the season, maybe at the deadline, you could make a deal for a true outfielder and and change things up a little bit. Then in the seventh spot, I have James McCann behind the plate. And then I love doing this. I do it in MLB The Show all the time, and the Mets have done it some. uh, Batting the pitcher eighth. So that way I can get my center fielder, Brandon Nimmo, in the nine hole to kind of get that double leadoff hitter thing that I talked about with your lineup. So for me, if if there's no DH, that's about as good of a Mets lamp as I could put on paper. I mean, I love it. And I kind of want to start with a question, being that if the Mets got Suarez, would that be the most power in a two to six lineup in baseball? I mean, seriously, you have Lindor, 30 home run guy at a position that doesn't hit 30 home runs. Alonzo, okay, yeah, I mean, 30 home run guy at first base, but he's really, as a rookie, he was much more than that. Conforto, we know how much power he has in right field. Suarez, I mean, you're talking about a 40 home run guy in Suarez. And Dom Smith, where the light just came on last year in terms of power, I mean, at 25 years old, Dom hitting 10 home runs in 177 at-bats, you know, just 50 games. I don't think Dom is a 30 home run guy. I'm not saying that. But Dom is easily, can easily hit 25 home runs in a full season. So I got to ask. I don't know. I'm not saying it's the best two to six in baseball, but I think it's the most powerful. If the Mets have this lineup and there's no DH and this is, you know, what I'm providing is what it is, 
that team is probably going to lead, lead baseball in home runs, if I had to guess. If not, top two to three. So I guess, in short, the answer to your question is probably, yeah. I mean, I can't think of one off the top of my head that's definitively better. That's for sure. I, I mean, the variable in it is if Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton ever play a full season. Well, that ain't happening. And <laughs> that's the thing is yeah. that, sure, maybe one of them does. And even that would be a surprise. Yeah, because then you have Voight, Judge, Giancarlo, and in that stadium, somebody that has no business always hitting a bunch of home. I mean, we saw what Didi did in that stadium. Yeah. You know, Glaber has power. But yeah, the point is, I just think it'd be one of the best. There's I, no question. Yeah, I'm not even all, like all about Suarez just because he hits a lot of home runs. I just think that the contract he's on, how he's he's fine defensively at third. I like fine. There's no, like, oh, he's this huge problem at third. It's like, no, he's completely fine at third. Uh, the fact that he gives you lineup a little bit more balance, I think, is a really, really nice thing. Man, I just, I don't know. I'm I, Either the Reds are asking for too much, or I, I don't know if baseball just undervalues him. I'm just surprised we haven't heard his name brought up more in trade rumors this offseason. I, I just think that teams are trying to buy low in trades at this point. I don't even know that the Reds are necessarily asking too much, more so that teams are trying to, you know, pin the money against everyone, right? That's how the trade market's going right now, where it's, I'll take on the money, you take nothing back. And the Reds are like, dude makes $10 million a year. I mean, we don't need to get rid of every penny. So I, I think the cost is what the cost is. I, I don't think the Reds are asking for too much. Uh, I think teams are just not willing to meet the price. And the only issue with this team is it's going to it's not going to be a good defensive team. There's no way around it. I mean, Lind Lindor Imagine if they didn't have Lindor. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Like game changer having Lindor. I so going through my lineup, I think McNeil is going to is an above average second baseman defensively, so they'll be fine there. Lindor's an elite shortstop defensively. They're good there. Uh Pete hopefully average-ish. Uh, he, he, I think he tried to do a little too much this year, but okay-ish at first base. Uh, Conforto's an above-average right fielder. Suarez is, let's call it an average third baseman, maybe a tiny, tiny tick below, but pretty much average. Dom Smith is a bad left fielder. Um, no fault of his own. He's just not an outfielder. He would just be playing there to make sure his bat stays in the lineup. McCann, it depends. Do you buy into the small sample size we just don't know yeah you don't know <laughs> mccann could be a guy that's an awesome catcher for the next three years and you know defensively and you know we're excited by that but he was a bad defensive catcher before this so you hope he doesn't revert back to being a bad defensive catcher otherwise you're in some trouble there and then nimmo's one of the worst center fielders in baseball defensively I know that like the Shredder put out their top 10 center fielders in the game, and he was like number five or six or whatever. It's a joke. Yeah, but like they're off. I'm sure they're offensively driven because defensively, again, much like Dom, to no fault of his own, he's just not a center fielder. He is a above average left fielder. He's a bad center fielder. So you're not going to have quite the run prevention that you're hoping for. And I think in this scenario, you probably see them bring in an Albert Almora or bring back a Jake Marisnik or find somebody that can play center field well. So that way you could pull Nimmo late, late in games, you know, out of center, put him in left, sit Dom for defensive purposes in like the eighth inning of games and, and things like that. So they'd have to have a reliable defensive fourth outfielder. Kind of like they envisioned having with Marisnik, but then you had the shortened season. He got injured a bit, so you didn't really quite get the benefit that you thought you were going to get out of that you know, process there. Absolutely. It, it is kind of what they thought they were getting last year. I think when you look at it, it, it's kind of why. I think he's probably a little expensive right now, which is why there hasn't been a lot of traction, but it's, it is why I value somebody like Jackie Bradley Jr. Now... I don't know what he's asking. I wouldn't give him more than a two-year deal, quite frankly, just because I want the flexibility at that position after two years. And 
I don't know how he'll decline in his 30s at center field. I know right now he's one of the best center fielders defensively in the game. So I think if you're looking for that short-term bridge guy for the position, he is a really nice option because it goes from everything you just said to, wait, now we upgrade defensively at left with Nimmo, upgrade significantly in center field, where you're looking around and you're going, okay, we have a question mark probably at third, question mark at first if Pete does if you know if there's no DH and a little bit of a, a question mark at catcher but you know I, I feel pretty good about McCann probably because I watched Wilson Ramos not be able to move from right to left <laughs> yeah. last year yeah. so yeah. I just don't see it can't get worse like McCann will yeah. do McCann will do basic things that an athlete can do and I'll be like whoa yeah. you see that tag yeah. by McCann <laughs> and it's like well that's because you haven't watched the catcher in in a while so the, and, and the rea- and, <laughs> and also with you know in the center field no DH is what screws them because if if there's yes. if there's no DH Jackie Bradley Jr. is not on the table for the New York Mets no that's it's not it. Possible. it like they're not sitting Dom Smith every day they're not sitting Pete Alonso every day they're not sitting Brandon Nemo every day I know there's a weird section of fan base that don't realize how valuable Brandon Nimmo is, um, but you know that's I, I can't I can't fix that. That's that's their thing. But you're not you're not sitting any of those guys on a day to day basis. So if there's no DH, I think you can forget about Jackie Bradley. You could forget about an everyday center fielder, and you're just gonna ride with a Nimmo and call it Albert Almora platoon. I'll just say his name because I've heard him linked to the Mets more than once. Uh, but that that's really the killer is if they don't figure out this DH thing, the Mets defense goes from, you know, above average at most positions or, or better throughout the diamond to multiple bad spots. So it's, it's tough. Well, it kind of makes you wonder what, let's just say there's not going to be a DH. Now I think there will be. Well, let's say there's not. Imagine if they signed Springer. Like, I would have loved Springer on this team, and he would have been a huge upgrade at center field, and I wish they got him, especially since they're apparently willing to blow past the luxury tax. But I'm just saying, that would have created a puzzle that I don't think any of us really have an explanation to fix. Yeah, I think at that point in time, it felt like a near certainty that the DH was coming. And like you said, it still might, and... I'm starting to get more pessimistic. I still think it will happen, but I'm starting to, I mean, we're getting close here. Like it's, it's, there's going to be a point in time where they decide like, that's it. Cause MLB wants something for the DH. That's what it comes down to. And if the MLBPA is not willing to, you know, play around and, you know, give them expanded playoffs or give them something, then MLB is going to be a jerk and say, well, you don't get the DH this year. And you know, it, part of it is politics and part of it is like you don't want to feel like you're giving up something you right before a new CBA because then they kind of get an advantage of, over you in those talks. And yeah, it's it's an annoying political negotiating game. But without the DH, the Mets defense gets screwed. <laughs> I mean, if they can't figure out something like that. How can we be confident they're going to figure out an entirely new CBA agreement? Oh, they they will. Like, they will. Uh, but <laughs> crazy. I don't know when. And, you know, there is a legitimate worry of a work stoppage. Like, that's not I, – like, I feel like I'm sure you see it in the NFL too. And in base, whenever a new CBA comes up, there's always like, oh, there could be a work stoppage, and then there never is. Like, I genuinely believe there is a chance of a work stoppage. It, the relationship between the two is that bad right now that there's quite quite a bridge to climb, for sure. Well, on a more positive note, let's transition everyone's questions. And we got a review of the week, so a lot of good stuff here. And like I said, definitely give us feedback. What are your lineups? What are your tweaks to ours? Uh, maybe an addition you want to see that you think can actually take the current lineup over the top. So definitely something that we'll, we will be revisiting again before the season, before opening day. First question is from Nico. I just want to know what the general vetting process is for MLB clubs. What could be done to improve them in the future? It's not like teams can get the FBI involved or anything, dot, 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 or could they? So generally speaking, uh, my understanding, I, I don't know the ins and outs of the vetting process. I've never actually 
felt like I needed to ask that question to anybody. <laughs> uh, but obviously, times are a bit different now. But as far as generally speaking, they do a background check, like, you know, most companies that you would work for. And it's probably a little more extensive than if you got a background check at a grocery store, but it's probably not quite as extensive if you got a background check at like a government job. Uh, it's somewhere in the middle there. So they do a background check and they ask around the league. And, you know, Sandy was asked uh, after the Jared Porter thing, did you consult any women? And he said no, because unfortunately at this point, there's not women, many women in baseball in that, you know, level of power. And that's obviously one thing that can and should change. But really, it's, you know, a background check, ask around. And, you know, when Porter got hired, I reached out to a few people that I know, and I had no indications from anyone of anything other than glowing of his character. At the end of the day, you know, it, it sucks to say this, and I, I don't think they could go to an FBI-level thing. Uh, I don't think that's plausible. Uh, these are, as bad as they are, they're private communications that are, you know, finally getting brought to light. And, you know, it's a credit to these women that are willing to step forward and, and say something because, you know, they basically fear for their jobs by saying anything. So it ends up staying private, not because they're waiting for a moment to drop it on them or, or whatever. It's like, you know, like imagine you were texting with someone and they had your job over your head. Like you're not going to say anything like you, you want to maintain your job. So I think that's a thing that often happen. And, you know, it's really unfortunate that the women are take advantage the reporters are taking advantage of like that so it's it's a tough spot but i i don't know if they could get to the point like i mean to be honest with you like it i do not i don't do anything wrong but if my employer asks for like my cell phone for my text messages i'd say no <laughs> like that's an invasion of privacy but they have to get more women involved in baseball they need to get more women involved in the hiring process and you know what maybe teams in the process, do reach out to some of these reporters. So, okay, the Mets want to hire whatever, a GM that worked for whatever, pick a market. Reach out to the reporters in that market. And if they have female reporters in that market, certainly, tar you know, go to them too and see like, you know, what do you, what's your experience with these guys? And, you know, hopefully reporters can, you know, give them anonymity. Like you're not going to talk about what they said and you know maybe that's something where you can get people to be a little more comfortable you know speaking you know in, in that in that facet and you know that that might be one of one of the the only ways that I could think of at least unless you have something different no I think that was really well said and I think that would be the same avenue that I would recommend as well is that number one it's it's exactly what you said where there's not enough women in baseball, which is a huge issue that is probably, you know, one of the of many catalysts of this issue of this problem during the search process, the vetting process uh, by MLB clubs, which they're guilt. They are absolutely guilty. This is an excuse, by the way. This is just one of the many reasons of being a catalyst. And I think. Fortunately, now there seem to be a lot more women in media on a lot of different beats covering teams day to day, right? Now, I know in the pandemic, it's been a process of where, you know, these the pressers are on Zoom. There's not the, hey, I'm in the, you know, the post game, the little room where they do the post game pressers or, you know, even walking around a locker room in football or at training camp, things like that. But that will come to an end and, and things will go back to normal where you absolutely should talk to those reporters and just be like, Hey, you, I mean, there's people that have been on certain beats for over a decade. So they, they've sometimes are there longer than those employees that are being vetted are. So I think that's a good Avenue to go down. And obviously there is a, a correct process and way to do that. Like you said, Joe, there are definitely, you know, probably some, some privacy issues where you, you're not going to be able to get all the info you want, but can they do more? Absolutely. I personally think they can do a lot more. And I think that was something that you can tell Sandy felt 
by the end of that press conference where he had to answer for what went on with Porter, where he probably looked back and go went, okay, the you know, we didn't talk to any women. So it's a it's a problem that's not going away. And you know, as for Mickey Calloway, obviously everything going on, um, it's just terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And the fact that it, it seems to have gone on through um, you know, periods of time with three different teams, it's just it just goes to show you how these things are I don't want to say covered up, but they've been hidden for too long. And and the repercussions that come with that are are well earned for, for what you know, I'm assuming that'll be the end of being in the MLB for Mickey Callaway, and rightfully so. And definitely for Jared Porter, rightfully so. So moving on to another question here. This one's from Michael Sen. It's a little lighter note, this question. What's your go-to ballpark concession? Standard hot dog and fries or something unique? What do you think is the most underrated city field concession? So I want my first city field trip of the year, I always do the the Pat Lafrida's steak sandwich. Like that's just because it's that's the only place I, I go and get it. And, um, you know, the line isn't actually, isn't that bad for how good that thing actually is. So that's a diff. that's like a specific to city field concession. When I'm just at any general baseball game or any, any sporting event, even this goes for, for hockey, I'm actually a burger and fries guy rather than a hot dog and fries guy. And I'll always, now that what I love about ballparks and I, I really noticed this, not just at city field, but when I was out in Seattle is they're getting so much better at having craft beers, like beers local to the area are in the ballpark. So I, like at the games, I won't just get like a, a Bud Light or a Budweiser or anything. I'll always try to drink local when available at ballparks now, which I think is probably one of the coolest features I've seen over the last three to four years at stadiums and arenas. Yeah, and City Field has the Big Apple Brews and those, so you have you know a lot of local stuff there. And I know they have like Brooklyn, uh, the Brooklyn Brewing Company, and and other things. So I'm totally with you as far as the beers, but food wise, I'm a hot dog and fries guy. I don't really dabble in much more. Like I'll get a Cracker Jack or I'll get popcorn potentially, but yeah, I'm not I'm not dabbling around too too much. But uh, you know, I've had. They had like the giant mozzarella sticks one year. Those were good. Um, I've had the rice balls. Those are pretty good. But generally speaking, I'm I'm hitting Nathan's for a hot dog, and then I'm not I'm not getting the Nathan crinkle fries. I'm going to get the garlic frites at Box Frites right near Shake Shack. That line's sometimes a little long, but it's it's not Shake Shack long. Uh, so I usually hit that and. Yeah, and then I'm sitting down, and I ain't getting up for nothing. I'll tell you the weirdest thing I've had. At the Mariners game, I had the toasted grasshoppers. Why? I don't <laughs> you, know. Did you just feel really, you had the try them, or did you have one too many craft beers? I No, <laughs> I, was with, <laughs> I was with someone that was like, we have to do this. Like, this is the thing here. I had already eaten the entire day i did have a couple of cold ones and i had some terrible this is a mistake we also had like some terrible pizza which you should never eat pizza out of the northeast but desperate times but i had the grasshoppers and man so there's two different kinds and i forget the kind that i had but whoo uh, not great. Is Glad it, I did it. Is it like not spicy great. grasshoppers or yeah. <laughs> or something? Uh, that. it it was like toasted. Huh. I mean, it, it tastes exactly what you're thinking right now, like a bug that was toasted. And like I don't understand. And like everyone you. loves it. Like normally, it's like the thing there. It, I'm telling you. Here's the craziest part. I think there was two different places in the ballpark you can get them, and the first one was like. Because like I said, there's two different kinds. I had the toasted, and the other one was like some kind of other seasoning. They were out of them. Like I went up, and they're like, oh, we're out of those. Like we haven't had those in an hour. And it was like the sixth inning. I was like, what do you mean? Like the first two innings, you run out of the grasshoppers? And then I had the other ones at the different stand. I was completely mind blown by this. 
that it is a staple and people go nuts for it. Send Jared Kelnick back. We can't have him in a place where people enjoy. I was a little, (laughs) I was a little concerned. And I actually, this might've been before the Kelnick trade. I can't remember. No, I think it was after either way. I, I hate how we have to bring that up every time. I don't know. We bring up the Mariners. Well, it's MLB's fault and all these people that it's top 100 prospect time. And Jared Kellick's Jeremy, Jeremy a top five prospect in the game for everybody. And it's thrown in my face on Twitter that he's going to be a superstar. I do a good job of avoiding it during the season, but it just, I, I couldn't. <laughs> I know. It's tough. All right. Next question. This one from Dylan Sagevik. Can you see the Mets making another trade, or do you think uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. or Almora and depth is what is left for this offseason, Joe? I could definitely see them making a trade. I don't think it's at all a given that they're just going to go free agency the rest of the way. It's possible, obviously, that they do, but you know, I brought Eugenio Suarez up in my lineup just a little while ago. I still think, I still have this feeling that you know, I just can't get out of my head that Sandy Allison, when he was asked, is J.D. Davis the third baseman? And he said, for now. I just can't get that out of my head. I mean, for I mean, it's nuts for, to say that. For now could mean, you know, a year. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean a month. But he said that in public. So I struggle to feel completely confident that they're not planning to do something there. And like I said, I, I don't think there's really something you're going to be able to sign on the free agent market that you're going to feel really any better than Jeff, Mc, uh, well, Jeff McNeil, than J.D. Davis at third base. So, yeah, I think a trade's a distinct possibility still. I think so, too. I've kind of said it throughout this show today. I just have this gut feeling uh, maybe it's just blind optimism at this point. But I really think that... You know, will do I think it'll be for a superstar? Not necessarily, but do I think it's something that will be noteworthy? I, I do. I think that, number one, they've obviously been one of the most aggressive teams this entire offseason, and I it with all the rumors around Bauer that for a while I was skeptical of, now it's very clear that uh, there is firm top dollar on the table from the Mets if he wants it to come here. I think everybody has been made aware of that that the Mets are are being really aggressive right now. I think they want to be looked at as World Series contenders this year. And I I don't know. I, I don't think I expected that when Cohen bought the team. I thought after, you know, going into the 2022 season, I'd be like, okay, they, they're building this team for a World Series. I thought this year would be a, hey, hopefully they contend for the playoffs. You know, we're still filling out a couple holes on this roster still patching up a couple gigantic Brody mistakes that completely depleted our system and have had ramifications on the major league team as well from a salary standpoint and resources standpoint. But I don't, I don't think that at all. I mean, you paid a starting catcher pretty good money. You've added money into the bullpen, pretty good amount of money into the bullpen. You've acquired multiple starting pitchers. You've spent, and that counts spending money, on the rotation, just between Stroman and Carrasco alone, not even counting the guys like Lucchese or Yamamoto. Obviously, you got Lindor. Like, the Mets have made a lot of moves for the fact that they are still clearly very, very foot on the gas right now. I mean, what if Bauer isn't a Met, which I'm definitely not assuming? Do we think this is it? They're just going into the season with it? I don't. And I'm... I don't know if you feel the same way, Joe. There's just, like, nothing around Jackie Bradley Jr. right now where either, and I think he's Boris. Yes. But either way. He is. He is. So he's Boris. Where he's being told to wait this out or the there's not really good offers on the table for him or the Mets just aren't interested, I just find it very interesting that Springer has been gone for a while now. There is literally nothing in the center field market besides Jackie Bradley Jr. The fact that like the Mets weren't just like, hey, let's just get this done. I don't know. I just think there's something we're not seeing here with the Mets that's going to happen. I think in regards to Bradley that I think there's just some disconnect in what you and I might think he's worth and what he and his agent might think he's worth. I mean, you know, Andy Martino 
has been reporting this for since Springer signed that you know Jackie Bradley is expecting like fifteen million dollars a year, and he wants three to four years for one year <laughs> for three to four years. That's what he's that's what he's looking for. Or at least that's their most recent known or sourced you know ask. Uh, I think fans have a perception that they're going to get Jackie Bradley for like two years, seventeen million or two years, eighteen million. Like I think if you want Jackie Bradley, which I do, to be clear, if, if there's a DH, I definitely want Bradley here. You know, you're gonna have to go to two years, twenty four, twenty six million, and then you might even have to throw in like a team option for a third year or something. It's it, you're not. I don't think you're getting Jackie Bradley for some cheap deal that I think the public expects. But I'm with you as far as doing something that we don't expect because that's kind of how the Mets have operated outside of James McCann. Like James McCann, you know, it sort of came out of nowhere that they were close to a deal and then it kind of lingered for a week and then they finally closed it out. But like the Lindor deal just popped out of nowhere. The Lucchese deal popped out of nowhere. Like all this stuff is just popping up the Steven Matz deal like there was rumors that you know Steven Matz could be on the move if they signed Trevor Bauer that was what the rumor was and then next thing you know you know Mike Mayer formerly of Metsmerized and Jeff Passan is like oh Steven Matz is traded and it's just like oh okay like this stuff is just dropping out of nowhere so that's what almost makes me think that they won't sign Trevor Bauer because I feel like we're talk like there's way too much talk about the Mets offer to Bauer, how you know this, that, and the other thing. I feel like I feel like it's way too loud, and that's why I'm kind of feeling like it's not going to happen. And you'll see them, you know, maybe they'll just out of the blue sign a James Paxton or sign a Taiwan Walker, someone that we haven't really thought. You know, you and I may have mentioned on the podcast, but it's not something that you know that's widely being spoken about. So, yeah, I, th- I don't think they're done. I think the Mats trade was a clear indicator that they're not done. And, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see how they close it out. Do they go with the big fish and Trevor Bauer and, you know, that's pretty much it? Or do they spread the wealth a little bit? And it's that time of the show where I stare at the free agent tracker and I just, I mean, baseball is going to be here soon, right? We've already, conf- everybody's saying that the season will start on time. You know, pitchers are, and catchers are going to report soon, and then everybody will report for spring training. And I know some guys will absolutely be sitting at home when spring training starts. That's the nature of this sport. But to sit here and, and look at it and think that Odorizzi and Bauer and Ozuna and Justin Turner and Jackie Bradley and Nelson Cruz and Colton Wong and Yadier Molina, like all of those guys going to be sitting at home, I, you know, and sure, it's not a crazy, crazy group of players. But I think when you look, and some of them will be, you know, especially the older guys. A guy like Nelson Cruz can kind of sit there and go, eh, I'll be back. And I'll hit 30 bombs because that's what I do. And Ozuna, you know, Ozuna's becoming like this mercenary. <laughs> He's just going to sign like one-year yeah. deals. He hit a ton of home runs. He crushed it. Never played defense. Crushed it for the Braves, and everyone was like, "All right, well, Zuna's going to get his bag this year." And here we are. And maybe he still does because I think you're going to see, you know, this next this, these two weeks here, you're going to see obviously a lot of activity. And and Jason Stark with the Athletics said that there's 148 free agents still out there. 148, and obviously some are lower level and whatever, and you know it is what it is, but. That's an, a, a crazy number. And, you know, teams have holes. And ultimately, there's there's going to be a point in time. And this is why, you know, we've mentioned it on the show here, too, that we want the Mets to sit back a little bit and, you know, see how the market takes shape at the real end of the offseason. Because there's going to be a point in time when uh, it stinks to put it this way, the players are going to have a choice between a job and not a job. Not to be like the the Mets deserve more praise than they're getting guy. And I do have a habit of, I don't know, I've been very happy with this offseason. While it feels like everyone else is, you know, some people are really happy. Some people are like, eh, they haven't done enough. 
it's just funny as I look at the tracker and see Marcus Stroman as fifth. Like, what if you told someone, hey, the Mets got <laughs> the Mets got the fifth rated free agent and they also traded for Francisco Lindor? You'd be like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. I can't believe how many people tweet me that are like complaining about the Mets offseason. And that's fine. Like, I understand they still have other holes and, you know, that that's okay. But complain, they're like, they said that they were going to, you know, make big splashes and they didn't sign any of the big free agents. And I'm like, have you heard of Francisco Lindor? They kind of got this 27-year-old superstar who they're going to have to give more money to than Springer and Real Muto got combined. Like, come on, people. <laughs> like, Francisco Lindor was the big acquisition. And... Who cares that he wasn't a free agent? Trade, free agent, whatever. I want them to acquire the best players that they can get. And, you know, maybe they'll surprise, or maybe it's not even a surprise, but maybe they'll land a top free agent too and sign Bauer. But, yeah, that's one thing that I see a lot that I find really funny. It's like, what's the difference as to whether it's a free agent or a trade? Like, what? why aren't trades counted the same? Like, the Lindor trade happened. It was a blockbuster. They got one of the best players in baseball. They're going to have to pay him oodles of money to stay. And the fact that he wasn't a free agent makes it like not as good or less exciting. I, not the same. I, I don't know. Very weird. Very weird that people think that. But eh, everyone's different, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. This is the Happy Mets podcast, I guess. Which it's, it's not always. Yeah. I think this is a very balanced and fair Mets podcast. I try. Yeah. You know, and a, and a lot of the listeners haven't, haven't heard Joe and I really cover – do the show or cover the team when games are going on that's just the way it so you will get that side of it too and it's not going to be the sky is falling when they get swept and it's not going to be they're winning a world series when they sweep someone you know it's i'm excited i, I really can't wait to actually talk about baseball as much as i have loved this offseason it has been a ton of fun and it's not done yet but it definitely feels like we've turned the corner where it's like okay this is what the two you know this is what this new york mets team is going to look like and uh you know I'm curious to see if there'll be fans in the park and, and a couple other news trickling in around the actual league itself. So I'm going to leave it all, uh, close out the week with the, the review of the week. I don't think we had one last week, so it's really good when we bring these back. We really appreciate your guys' support. It, it helps out the show. Um, it's always really good to just hear back from the audience because it's nice to know what you like, uh, maybe what you even what you don't like or, or what you're looking forward to each week on the show. So this one is from... Gil Jason 10. Connor and Joe are great. Wow, that's pretty nice of them. Uh, both are true Mets fans. Both are well-informed. Their preparation delivery is always spot on. The podcast is an easy and informative listen. As a Mets fan in Alabama, this podcast and Twitter are my two main sources of Mets news and opinions. It's great. Well, thank you very much. Joe, closing thoughts, episode 28. Well, roll tide, uh, Gil Jason. I guess. But no, I, I appreciate the... Sub hey, might be an Auburn fan. <laughs> oh, true. He could be an Auburn fan. Uh, but no, really, I, I appreciate all the support. And, you know, I put it out there when I tweet from That's So Mets and certainly from, from my own account. And, you know, the support's been awesome. Uh, I read every single review, like I've said. You know, I read every single one that comes in. You know, I like to see all the nice five stars that we get. So like Connor said, you know, rate us five stars that that's really appreciated and you know the nice things are great too like i appreciate you saying we're great i mean that's ultimately i guess what we're trying to do but you know we we want constructive feedback too you know you could say that we're doing a great job and if there's something you want to hear more of hear less of um hopefully that's not me but hear less of of something you know stuff like that you know, we, we want your suggestions, too, because ultimately, you know, this show is fun. I could talk about the Mets literally forever. And but we want to do something that, you know, makes you want to listen every single week. So tell us what you want, what you don't want. And, you know, that's something that I think will will continue to to grow because this podcast, I think, has had tremendous growth in I mean, really, it's a really a short time in the scheme of things. I mean, what is this, episode 28, I think? So, and we've had a few emergencies in there. So, I mean, really, it's only it's only been, a, what, a few months? So, you know, we, we've got a lot, a lot of room to grow. And, you know, we want your help 
in in getting us to grow. So, yeah, you know, follow me on Twitter at PSL to Flushing. Follow Connor at Connor J Rogers. Follow the podcast at That So Mets Pod. And yeah, I, I can't wait to see what's ahead. I know me and you were talking about some visions for the not too distant future about some, you know, expansion or whatever and some fun stuff. So really excited about what's to come and really appreciate everyone's support. Yeah, I'll second that. The show is only going to grow, especially when actual baseball is going on, uh, when more moves are made. You know, we'll we'll continue to do, of course, doing the show at least once a week, but a lot of different things outside of that as well. And hopefully we can get everyone together for a game. How nice would that be at some point in this calendar year? I mean, I don't know at what point of the summer that that will be a possibility, but I, I think it's something that can happen this summer. Uh, before we close, Joe, what's one thing you're looking forward to the most on the pod over the next month as we, we start to inch towards spring training? I, I'm really excited to start really getting into the camp battles because that's fun because there's going to be some competition for some jobs here. You know, uh, I think the lineup is going to be mostly set, I'd say, but the back end of the bullpen, there's going to be competition for that. Like, just because Brad Brock is making $2 million this year, I don't think his roster spot is necessarily safe. So I think there'll be some bullpen competition. And of course, I'm a prospect guy. I like to see when they bring the young kids to big league camp and, and see how they fare against big league pitching. So I, I'm just excited to, I mean, working from home all the time, I'm excited that I can throw SNY on the TV at one o'clock for a spring training game and, you know, oh, do my work, do, do my work, but also, you know, peek up every once in a while and see what's going on with the game. So yeah, to me, I love spring training. I, I wish I was going to spring training, um, maybe next year. But yeah, like you said, hopefully this summer we can, you know, get together at City Field and, you know, meet up with some people that listen to the pod. The That's So Mets uh, meetup. Yeah. What, Bound to happen. Yeah, we'll have to think. The, we'll we'll the, think of a better yeah. name, but something like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Episode 28 in the books. We'll catch you next week. I'm Amira Rose Davis, host of the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. My white coaches just said, you may not get the scores that you deserve because you're black. It's the story of a decades long struggle of black gymnasts trying to find and amplify their voices. I can't be the next Simone Biles. I can't be the next Dominique Dodds. I can only be the next version of myself. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.